You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's chat is with Friendly Fires. Thank fuck these guys are back. Seriously, the world is a much different place than when this British dance band dropped their 2011 album, Paula, an album that has aged beautifully in my head. After touring for Paula, the band went on an extended break, one that fans, quite frankly, never thought would end. But they're back, and funnily enough, I'd argue that there couldn't be a more vital time for their music than modern day 2019. Released back in August, their third album, Inforescent, is filled with euphoric rays of light while still exploring experiences that come with deep introspection. A few weeks back, I got to catch up with frontman Ed McFarlane and guitarist Ed Gibson ahead of their sold-out show here at Brooklyn at a venue called Elsewhere. Naturally, we chat a lot about their absence from music, but we also delve into the experience of making this new album and just how it feels to be doing it all again. This is the 405 Exchange with Friendly Fires. Enjoy. It is a very simple question. I know by now, especially since it's been about a year, you guys have been asked this a lot. But we're sat here in New York, and I have to ask it for you. I mean, how does it feel to be back? I mean, we haven't done the show yet, so <laughs> I judge after the show. Well, I was, speaking, I was speaking generally quite broadly in terms of just in general, but we could talk about specifically New York, because right before I hit the record, I mentioned how last time I saw you guys perform was at Central Park at Terminal 5 during the Palo days and you know fast forward many years later and here you are again I mean what's it like for you guys being back in New York? I mean I've never really been to Brooklyn before so just walking around here has been a bit surreal have you had a chance to have a wander around? Um, not at all I've, I've walked over here from a hotel so I've seen the like what's it called Flusher Street or Flushing Avenue yeah, flushing. It's, yeah, it's saying it's not the nicest street name, but it's a <laughs> lovely street to be walking on. I had a great frozen margarita and two tacos, and just watched cool-looking trucks drive past. And everything's different here. Yeah, isn't it? so, I mean, it's, it's weird though seeing how London feels like it's kind of turning into Brooklyn a bit. Oh, so, yeah. well, like certain parts of East London feel like Brooklyn to me, or Hackney Wick. Hackney Wick completely. Yeah. 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 But you know, it's um, yeah. Jack, Jack was our drummer was saying how, how much he he had a really good walk around Brooklyn, like the area that we're at at the moment. Yeah. And just it's kind of cool discovering little nooks and crannies and random bars in places that are just like, like why why the fuck is is this here? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, which is yeah, it's cool. So I'm generally curious to know. I mean, naturally, you know, so much that's centered around talking to you guys is about um, you know being you being away for a bit but we are definitely again to music mm. but you know tell me how what's it been feeling like for you to just know that you could not only still play shows together but know that there's still people going to come and want to see them like i think that's the the best bit i'm really grateful that our fans are like have stuck by us for this long i mean it's i yeah i genuinely thought when we came we announced that we were going to do a show at brixton which is brixton academy which is you know a relatively big venue to play in London and um yeah for people listening it's one of the most legendary venues in London it holds about mm. 5,000 people and yeah and initially we booked it and I was like uh, we maybe should downsize a bit I don't think this fit. you know I just felt like we were 
bit too ambitious yeah. and uh, and it sold out and I was yeah I know I just felt like wow okay people do you know, our fans do still give a shit which is good mm. yeah you can't really assume that you know leave someone in the lurch for so long to expect that love to still be there but yeah. it's I think we've learned over this you know return that we did mean a lot to, to uh, you know lots of people at a certain special point in their lives and yeah I think they like revisiting that and hopefully now creating a few more good times and good memories. Yeah. You guys have had the chance to talk at length about how much life had changed in between uh, your individual lives, but I wonder, like, was it surprising for you seeing how life changed for your other bandmates? Because I read how none of you really expected the break to take as long as it did. And naturally, everyone kind of goes off and does their own thing as a human being. But, like, what was it like seeing the fact that your bandmates were living other lives? Like... Yeah, I mean, none of us got married or had kids. That would have been weird. <laughs> it's, you know, I did not know that. Look at that. Yeah, we're kind of, you know, we're all just, uh, we've all just got girlfriends. And, but yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, it, um, I don't know. It's, I think, I don't think it was like weird. Was, there were moments where I was a little bit sad. I was like, oh, fuck. It kind of, you know, because I guess we stopped at a high point with Parlor. It felt like we were at this, you know, the biggest that we'd got. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it did feel kind of weird just kind of doing other stuff. And and I don't know. Yeah, there were moments where, I was, where it was like, I'd occasionally see Jack and I'd be like, oh, kind of, I've missed you quite a lot. Haven't. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, just we haven't even hung out as like mates for so long. And just, yeah, so, yeah, it took, it required like a lot of us getting, like actually hanging out as mates to even write music, to be honest. We just... But yeah, we're, we're not the kind of band that can just uh, meet up in the studio like once every couple of months and write some tracks. Yeah. Just, we have to be like fully immersed in it and just, yeah, going out to clubs together, listening to the same music, feeling like excited about a vibe together. And yeah, that doesn't come. You just can't do. I don't know how other bands do it where it's really job like. Yeah. I'd find that really depressing. <laughs> I don't know, you know, it's just a bit soul destroying. But you know what, honestly, I think for what's really interesting hearing you describe that the way in which you did, I think it's one thing to like hear that and have no context for the music, but then when you have the context of the music, especially this new album that you guys have made, so much of that comes across, where so much of that, there's so much feeling within it, and I can only imagine that the act of making it would require so much feeling from all of these together in a room. Um, yeah. do, you, do you feel like the changes that happen in your life informed how you approach making this album at all or was it just kind of like reckless abandon once you were in the studio together uh i think well i think lyrically there's kind of a for me lyrically there's a theme that is it's, it's a lot more like inward looking than i than i it's not it's not like an escapist record to me really but nah it's like it's it's about <laughs> if anything is about like facing the real world and just having the confidence to like be yourself and and uh and accept any criticism that comes your way and just, you know, I don't know. It's like, I think I just probably went through a phase personally where I was sort of a bit, uh, maybe just had like a bit of an existential crisis and was just sort of, wasn't sure what the point of this band was. Yeah. And then it took me a while to realise that, okay, yeah, I, I get the live show, I get the whole thing we do and I understand, I can understand why people appreciate yeah. the energy that we create on stage. But, I don't know, I guess when you're like in the middle of it, maybe back in 2012, it was just like, 
you kind of lose perspective of things and it took a while to... No, that's crazy. What do you think about it? What of this most recent uh, album production? Uh, yeah, well, particularly, like, uh, the feelings that you just had making it, like, the thoughts that kind of went through your mind in that. I mean, I was really, I don't know, really glad to be back in the room with Ed and Jack and to actually be, to have smiles on faces that actually yeah things are clicking and coming together I mean it was not easy the whole way through but I think we put a lot of effort into making songs sound a bit you know free and up and fun they don't fall into place so readily all the time you've got to kind of work hard at it but there's that great sense of achievement that yeah I've not really felt elsewhere for quite a while it was great to have that that emotion back yeah. You know, it's interesting to hear you say it's not necessarily an escapist record because I guess that's more in line with the contrast of what you guys do very well because when I experienced the record, it kind of put me in a headspace of like kind of feeling like a near sense of euphoria and kind of feeling like, all right, like there's so much kind of bleakness in the world I could kind of like uh, ignore it a little bit and kind of like let these colors kind of wash over me. But then there are lyrics and there are moments where you are faced with these very like introspective uh, moments in that. It feels like there's, there's, even in the lyrical content, there's like this sort of now or never kind of moment. Yes. Which is pretty relaxing for like the band, I guess. <laughs> and, I, and, and like, you know, it's, and um, yeah, like almost midnight, can't wait forever. That like, they're pretty like uh, blunt, the lyrics. And, and there's no like, yeah, and I, and, I, and I like that. I like lyrics that are just not sort of shrouded in loads of fancy, fancy wording. I guess, you know, I, I think that just naturally works with the music that we write and we kind of you know like yeah I guess it just wouldn't feel natural for us to write something that was sort of reflective of current times or like I mean even like I, th- I guess we're, we're really inspired by disco music and lyrically disco wasn't talking about the problems that were happening in the world at that moment yeah, exactly. it was it was positive music to help bring people together whether that whether the, it was bringing people together to be celebratory or suffer together I guess it's like yeah I, I kind of I feel like I can relate to that that kind of lyrical concept with yeah. with, with music that so, makes so much sense to me I want to start asking about some of the songs off the album uh, starting with Silhouettes um, you know I feel like this is a tune that greatly encapsulates what people love about you but it's so amazing how it definitely takes the sound forward. Um, I wonder what it was like for you guys working on this one, because I feel like this is quite a standout in itself. Um, well, I think we had a few of the kind of top lines knocking around for a time, but it took the right song to actually bring them together. And um, We worked with James Ford on this one, and it was, um, it was great being in his kind of working environment, which isn't too dissimilar to our own, you know, it's this sort of modest, top of his house it's just it's, it's decked out in incredible gear but yeah. it's not a opulent setting you know it is a converted attic and you know he's in his slippers there's cups of tea around oh. but there isn't it, yeah there isn't like a studio hand just like hey do you want a cup of tea or do you know like constantly asking if you want something it's, yeah and and james was just working at the computer there wasn't an engineer i think that really makes a difference i think now because production is like, it is like writing music to me. Yeah. I think if the producer isn't at the computer, drawing all of the automation, drawing all of the, the cues and the sounds of it, is 
to me that is kind of writing the music it is beyond just the kind of production side of things and James like James really loves doing that so it felt if we work well in that kind of vibe mm. I think we've never really gelled that well in a studio that's like you know historical space with loads of people just sat around being silent you know <laughs> waiting to be told to do something that's amazing, and James mm. Ford is—I mean, obviously, such a legendary dude. Something that yeah. I've heard from like um, Jack from Foles and um, Nick from Arctic Monkeys, uh, James has worked with loads. I've heard that something that James does exceptionally well is he allows a band to feel a band by not letting them feel that way. Where it's very much about just feeling like a person in an element. And I think what I always garner from that is that you probably feel like you can do your best work when you're in a setting that just allows you to just be yourself. Yeah, and he was—you know—it's was pretty like. There was, there was like no bullshit it's like we'd, we'd sort of written a certain amount of the track and it was like okay we've got to do the vocals now it's like oh, okay <laughs> we'd written the lyrics and it's like no no you're going to sing the vocals here right now you're not going to take it back with you and sing it at your house you're going to like <laughs> we're going to get the final thing here and now which is yeah like normally a lot of producers are just like no you take it away and you perfect it yourself but it was it was nice having that kind of pressure or like or knowing that we're going to catch a, the mood here and now yeah. rather than sort of perfecting it I love that you brought up the mood and capturing it because I feel like the tune that encapsulates that the best is the tune that kind of like sparked a return uh, Love Like Waves um, it's kind of wild to think that this kind of kicked off you guys being back isn't it like this truck yeah totally. I think that's when we knew good this isn't just us revisiting you know our previous work this is a forward looking part of our lives and we wanted to up our game and you know musically melodically I think it's a step forward and then we I don't know we were quite good at sifting through cutting out bits trimming down tracks and yeah, yeah. I would massively agree with that and something I'm curious about I mean you guys have been playing live for roughly about like a year now or so right just about uh, yeah I mean it hasn't we haven't done any like real intense tours but yeah yeah, it feels like we're kind of in the, in the swing of it. Well, Though I haven't played for a month, which is also... Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's this frustrating moment out. where you're doing festival here, then yeah. fortnight off, and then... Mm. It's nice, this run of you know four US shows, I feel like, come the end, come San Diego Festival, we'll be firing on all cylinders, yeah. and then it's time to go home. <laughs> yeah, I imagine that, yeah. Oh, well, something I'm really keen to know is that since it's been a while that Love Like Waves has been part of your life set, how do you find yourself feeling about the song today? Because... You know, since it was the song that kind of kicked off everything, obviously people are reacting to it when they see you perform it. What's it like having that integrated with like the other Friendly Fire songs? I think all of the new tracks have integrated really well and almost better than some of the older tracks. I think, uh, especially Can't Wait Forever, that's, that was one we were playing from the first gig, first comeback show. And that, that really connects with people. I think it's just because it's so kind of... Uh, there's, it just has that sort of hook this sort of quite simple well it's not that simple but a, you know a melodic hook that is the chorus there's no there's no like lyrics it's just sort of this hummed line that's like that kind of translates well almost better than like something where I mean you know sometimes you'll write a top line like that and you'll be like right let's try and put lyrics to it yeah. and then you put lyrics to it and it just sounds shit <laughs> <laughs> or it just sounds like you know really forced so yeah that kind of I think with that one, yeah, it just sort of naturally fell into place. And yeah, it always goes down well. 
That's amazing. You know, a song of yours off this album that's got stuck in my head quite a bit is um, Offline. And I found it interesting how you're able to retain your sound while also delving into like this kind of near crooner territory. Like that's very different for you. Um, did this one feel different for you as you were making it? Like, is this one of the songs that felt like, wow, this is definitely a different experience? Um, I don't know. I think we wrote most of the lyrics just to mine. Yeah, it was nice. I think we just had a few good walks out in the fantastic countryside around Ed's, you know, place, and we were just sort of chatting about. I don't know the state of you know, how we were finding this or that, and mm. we kind of suddenly realised actually maybe that's a lyric, maybe that's a line. Yeah, I, I don't think that's ever happened before actually in sort of songwriting. Yeah, go on a walk and come, come back with the lyrics written. Mm. Yeah, it was it was cool. It was nice to do that. And yeah, and I guess it was like that track's based around a sample, and it's kind of yeah, it was really quick and instantaneous and fun to do. But you know, risky as well because. If the sample doesn't get approved, then you don't, yeah, you've got, you don't have a song. But, but um, yeah, it's weird that whole sampling thing. It's like, yeah, like, yeah, you can, you just never know whether someone's going to want to approve it. Yeah. So tell me this. Uh, what would you say was the song that you worked on off the album? And I'd love to hear from both of you because imagine you have different answers. But what do you say is the song that left you feeling the most inspired and what? Mm. It's difficult to say. I really enjoyed the other James Ford track, Run the Wild Flowers. I think a lot of that was a track Ed had already kind of had. Both of us. In the, yeah, in the hard drive for a while. And we'd we'd written of, it and it wasn't a Friendly Fires track. Yeah, sort of. It's initially just some sort <laughs> of druggy jam we wrote with like a tongue drum, which is like a wooden box that has these sort of. It's kind of a, yeah, a wooden box with wood wooden tongs on it and it, you know it just has like a just wicked sound if you put it through a tape delay and you distort it it just has real character mm. yeah and we just jammed this thing out with you know went on for like six minutes with no no noticeable chorus <laughs> and uh it just yeah it kind of felt like the yeah it just felt like the right thing to do with james because i think you know james is like james can do pop music but he's not like it's not like striving for a pop hit, which is great. It's refreshing to do that. And yeah, I think it feels like a, like a lot of people are connected with that track. Maybe because it is, it is like the mood is different. It's less, you know, just it's got a different side about it. Mm. Yeah. I've definitely heard that. Um, you know, we kind of touched on this a little bit uh, at the start of this talk, but you know, naturally like what a lot of people attribute Friendly Fires to is uh, you know dancing and joy and the element of like being in a room and being able to sweat you're here elsewhere in Brooklyn you're be doing that tonight do you feel like now almost more than ever it's almost like a, I feel like I already know the answer but I kind of like to hear you guys explore like do you guys feel like it's definitely a vital time to have this where you're putting this music out and you can create a space where people are just kind of like you know letting go hmm. What does that mean? To I you? think certainly in the kind of live landscape at the moment, I don't feel there's many other bands operating in the same kind of world as us. You know, I think it's fantastic, like DJs where you can go dancing all night, but to actually, I don't know, have that created before your very eyes is quite special. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I hope there'll always be, you know, a necessity for that. And I guess touching on what Ed was saying earlier, of having a space where people come together and they're actually uniting a bit of sweat and eye contact is yeah that's all we need 
I don't say that. Um, I mean, you've talked about it with me already, and you've talked about it loads in almost every interview you've done, but I have to bring it up because, I mean, I've been a fan of your music for ages. Uh, Apollo was such a big moment. And to have you guys not only come back, but to play the Brixton Academy, which is, you know, uh, I was raised a bit in London, so that's to say that means the world to me. And, like, you know, different places mean a lot of things to me, and, like, that venue is so historic. But the fact that you were able to do what you did, that is nothing short of triumphant. I mean, just, God, do you remember what you felt like that day? Like, the day of the show? Um pretty fucking terrified at the start <laughs> and I think that only started to dissipate about two songs into the set where you could just see this sort of sea of hands and you know, eager faces and it was definitely the sort of love of the crowd the love I felt coming back from the crowd that yeah just probably put this idiotic grin on my face for the rest of that gig it was definitely Usually you build up to do your biggest show. It's quite rare that you do two tiny sideshows and then <laughs> 5,000 cap venue yeah. of the fairly cold. But we did, you know, a decent amount of rehearsal and we had junior our percussionists come in and I knew the gig would be good, but you can never really prepare yourself for what it will feel like when you step onto that stage. Yeah. Do you feel like the aftermath of that gig kind of partially cemented how you want to go forward like obviously you guys are already I imagine writing songs but was it like the after the feelings that you had after that gig made it go like alright like we definitely can keep going yeah I mean yeah I think initially at that Brixton show for me it's just sort of like I felt like being sort of reunited with like a sort of past lover that you I don't know that you've like cheated <laughs> on or something it was like it was it's almost like you just don't know what the reaction's going to be and you kind of, I felt like a little bit like apologetic that we stopped at the point that we the, we did. But then, you know, that sort of kind of quickly dissipated and it was, and it just turned into this like, you know, it just felt like, ah, oh, you remember what we're about and we remember what you're about, so let's just do this. Yeah. And yeah, I think by the end of that tour, we did a mini tour, it's like three shows. It just felt like, yeah, 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 I know, I know what we're supposed to do now. Yeah. It kind of felt natural by that point, but yeah, it was, yeah, shit scary. Stuff. I had friends that went to that mini tour, and like, um, we're near the end of the talk now, but I just kind of want to bring this bit up. I had friends that went to this mini tour that you guys did, and they told me how surprised they were that it wasn't just like a bunch of like 30 something old indie kids. It was like a load of college kids and like younger kids who were like very keen to see you guys live. Was that surprising at all? I guess, you know, people discovered our band. I mean, for me growing up, I've always felt like every scene that I got into it already happened and been and gone yeah. and, uh, and I guess you know that probably happened with some younger kids that were like oh shit like discovered our band and like damn it why aren't they doing stuff <laughs> yeah it feels like you know every band that I ever get into it's always been the case it's like oh they <laughs> broke up in the mid 90s great <laughs> <laughs> that's it the way you describe that Brixton show just reminded me of uh, one of the bands I worked with loads, editors, uh, their guitarist Justin Lockie. He said something really funny years ago. He said, like, as a performer, he doesn't realize that it's a sold out show until he's actually on stage and, like, sees people. It's like he could see it, like, on the marquee and he could see it, like, on the schedule for the day and his manager could sell him a hundred times. But it's not until you see the people there, it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think I can kind of understand that until you really like experience the vibe on stage and you feel that energy but um 
yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm glad that tonight is sold out. And it's enough for me. I think, you know, it's, I'm just really, yeah, as I said, I'm really grateful that we have loyal fans that stuck by us. Yeah. And I'm glad on the way in there was some diehard 53 uh, yeah. year old dude who's <laughs> been with us through every mm. gig we've done in the States. Are you serious? Awaiting, yeah. But then also just a load of kids who looked like they're in their 20s, which, yeah, for me, that's, it's cool that young, is still you know interested in what we're up to that's such a beautiful thing i gotta let you guys go because you really do need to i know it's like a i kind of to prep yeah like to do it. the dancing on stage doesn't get easier as i get older no, so i sort yeah. of really have to like you gotta i've got to limber up and you, you know, really do but before yeah. you before you turn off can you guys just promise you won't take so long away again uh, we'll try can we get it on like <laughs> record can we get it on record that you won't take we'll, so long we'll, to come back again i mean we're, we're already gonna we're gonna put out we have to put out something I feel like we have to put out something pretty quick sharp anyway and we have two tracks that we kind of that didn't make it onto the record that that we've played live or we you know people have heard from promo stuff we've done that but i feel like we we really need to get them out just so yeah, just to make the fans happy yeah watch this space Crown the thanks so much for telling me too i really appreciate it no worries thanks, thanks so man much,